PFF NFL Daily today discussing the biggest discrepancies between PFF's draft board, draft board and the consensus draft board. This is a fun exercise every year, Sam. Uh, our guy Arif over at The Athletic, he puts together the consensus board from many different sources. And then um, he sent us some of the differences between our draft board and what the masses are looking at. So let's go through some of the ones where we're lower on the consensus to start with uh, Traylon Burks, the Arkansas wide receiver who we've talked about quite a bit here as the guy that with the biggest discrepancy, uh, we have him at 46. The consensus has him 18 points higher, 18 slots yeah, higher. Yeah, and honestly, like this is just a reflection, I think, of Mike Renner in particular being a little bit leery about all the projection that needs to happen with Traylon Burks. I agree with him, but I get where other people would go in the other direction. I think Burks is a player that to me – has one of the just the broadest ranges of where he could land in the entire you know top end of the draft. He could go the middle of the first round, he'd go the middle of the second round, and neither one of those would make me bat an eyelid at all. In fact, I would probably like agree with it. Like whoever took him, somebody takes him at 16. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I can see the upside. I can see the playmaking ability. He's 225. He's fast. He, you know, all do all these things. And then somebody takes him like in the middle of the low second round. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I get it. He's got a weird you know, uh, uh, weird usage pattern in college. He's never really played true wide receiver. doesn't run routes well. Uh, weight concerns, you know, you start focusing on all the negatives. So what I'm saying is, like, <laughs> consensus or any individual take on Traylon Burks, I'm kind of on board with, no matter where it is. Yeah, I'm with you, too. And, uh, spoiler, spoiler alert, too, for today's PFF NFL podcast, when we have Nate Tice on there going through player comps, we have this same discussion about, yeah, yeah, but this, and but we really like this, but we don't love that. And then Nate Tice throws his comp out there, and I'm just like, hmm, now I'm back in. I'm back in on Traylon Burks based off of Nate Tice's comp. Uh, but hey, look, he ran 4.55, but he's got good game speed, and he's at least shown a little bit of everything you want, but that's why, again, the consensus is all over the place as far as Traylon Burks goes. Uh, we can circle back to the ones where we're a little bit lower, but as far as higher than others, PFF type of guys, uh, we have Aiden Hutchinson as number one. The consensus actually only has him at number two. Uh, we're a little bit higher on guys like Derek Stingley, the LSU corner, mm. Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State, and then Bernard Ryman, the tackle from Central Michigan. Yeah, Stingley, I think, is a, an interesting one to highlight. He's a guy that 2019, incredible season, the, one of the best college seasons we've seen at any position, but certainly for cornerback, showed that he has the ability to be a top-tier NFL cornerback. The problem is, that was 2019. We've had two seasons since then, and he hasn't gotten close to that level of performance between injuries and everything else going on. And for everybody else, I think that's tempering expectations or people are focusing on the recency of what he's done lately, and that's not helping his cause. So the consensus board has Derek Stingley number nine overall, and you'll see a lot of people have him even lower than that, obviously, uh, in order to reach that consensus. But for PFF and, and Renner in particular to, to go out on that limb and say, no, look, what we saw in 2019 was so good that you, you can't drop this guy that far. He's, he's too good. He's too talented. The potential is too high for you to get away from that. And particularly in this draft of, you know, of all drafts with the relative lack of true superstar talent and, and ability that like that guy deserves to be up there. Yeah. Stingley's definitely an interesting guy just because we, we thought he was, you know, Patrick Peterson and Jalen Ramsey as far as prospect, 
but he comes with far more question marks than they did because of everything that we've said and the lack of playing time and the injuries and all that stuff. But did we just go full circle essentially with with Stingley, right? Like we we were up on him and you down a little bit, and then you saw the workouts and it's all right. He's back. He's back to where he needs to be. Um, but yeah, I would I'd be fine taking that swing on Stingley just because of what he could become. Charles Cross, the other one, you know, he's our number one tackle. Uh, on the PFF draft board. Again, Mike Renner is the one mostly responsible for the PFF draft board, but that's our PFF consensus board. I think it's close between Charles Cross and, and Evan Neal in particular. Uh, but Cross looks like the cleanest pass protector. But my, you know, my concerns with Cross, you know, one year of really good production coming out of that Mike Leach system. But boy, does he move well. He's got good length and um, has everything you're looking for in that what, what the evaluators would call that true blindside protector. Yeah, um, we're, we're definitely a little bit higher on Charles Cross, and, and you articulate the reasons why. But Bernard Ryman, I think, is a, a really, perhaps, a, it's a much bigger difference where we're higher on him relative to everybody else. We're higher um, by, you know, 20 draft spaces, essentially, relative to, to everybody else on Ryman. And, you know, again, he's another guy that, it's a weird profile, right? He's relatively old, but hasn't played the position much. It was a... A tight end is, you know, is, comes from a different country, new, relatively new to the game, plays tight end, moves to tackle, has basically only got a couple of years of play at that position, and yet his technique is really good. Like, his fundamentals are sound for a guy that's so new to the position, and you have to kind of weigh, well, how do you juggle all that in terms of inexperience at the position, but being relatively old, um, you know, all these sort of conflicting pieces of information, I think, are causing people to just be confused as to where you take them. There's no conflicting information over at PFF.com right now, Sam. You can get 50% off a PFF Elite annual subscription using the code DRAFT50. You get 365 days of Elite. It'll get your PFF's locked article content, our NFL draft guide, which is over 500 pages, completely unlocked mock draft simulator, and much, much more. It's promo code DRAFT50 for 50% off a PFF Elite annual subscription. And also, don't forget... We get the podcast Hutch. It's a four-part podcast series on the number one overall NFL draft prospect, Aiden Hutchinson, including interviews with Jim Harbaugh, current and former Michigan football players, key members of Aiden's family, media members, and draft analysts. Be sure to follow that on YouTube here or wherever you listen to these podcasts. Uh, it's a lot cooler looking at the players that we're higher on because we've mentioned some of these guys before. Uh, guys like Sky Moore, at receiver, mm-hmm. where 45 spots higher than the consensus renner put him up to 22 in the final draft board i like it we're big sky Moore fans here tyler smith the tackle from tulsa who's an absolute mauler and is kind of like you know the f uh, the group of five version of icky Iquanu at, at tackle slash guard uh nick benito guy that we highlighted on yesterday's daily uh, josh pascal another guy that we've highlighted before these are guys that have graded well performed well in our system caught our eye from a scouting standpoint and we're a little bit higher on than the consensus yeah, I think which is always a nice place to be is to kind of lean on the production illustrated by the grading. Like ultimately that's going to carry weight and it's going to count for a lot. It's not everything, but it's certainly something that you want to focus on when it's there. Um, and Sky Moore, I think, is the classic example of a guy who just has great production, great grading, great um, everything except that kind of special, everything except the thing that people lose the run of themselves about now, this kind of period, right? He isn't six foot three and doesn't run a four three flat and, you know, has insane workout and measurables and all those kinds of things. So he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit while we focus on people like Christian Watson, who doesn't have anything near 
the kind of production and consistency that Sky Moore does. So I, I think it's good to keep hammering the drum a little bit for guys like Sky Moore that do tend to slip uh, during this time of uh, workouts and testing numbers in the underwear Olympics. Tyler Smith, who I mentioned, is 51 spots higher. We have him as a first-round caliber player at 25. Really nice career at Tulsa. Nick Benito, like I said. 26 spots higher. It's 51 on the consensus board. Oh, sorry. 51 by wrong. I'm reading it completely <laughs> wrong. I'm sorry. My, my apologies. It's still a big difference, though. Mm. Uh, Nick Benito is 54 on the consensus. Am I reading that right? Yeah, yeah. No, I great. think he's a first-round caliber player. You broke him down extremely well yesterday on the show. Josh Pascal, who I said, the Kentucky edge defender, I think he's going to step in the NFL, be really good against the run uh, with some pass rush upside. Uh, Abraham Lucas, another tackle, Washington State, you know, from that system, always question marks there, but we have him high. And we've heard, you know, there are rumblings that he's a potential late first-round or second-round caliber player. This happens every year, Sam. There's a guy like Abraham Lucas who I don't think any outlet maybe had as a first-round pick and just kind of, like, shows up. Got Caleb McGarry a couple years ago. The tackle to the Falcons was kind of the same thing. Second, third-round caliber prospect, I think, on most boards who ends up going in the first. Sometimes I get tunnel vision on the guys that we have projected in the first, but a guy like Abe Lucas could actually sneak up there and, and go a lot higher than we think. Yeah, and then the flip side of that is poor old Daniel Falele from Minnesota, a guy that, you know, the man mountain, six foot eight, like 380 pounds or whatever he is, absolutely huge, but had one of the worst workouts of all time. Like, you know, if you're going to be a developmental type of prospect at that kind of size, you have to, at the very minimum, demonstrate the ability to move. <laughs> just, you know, be, be able to shift in space, not just be... 380 pounds of obstacle for somebody to get around and he couldn't so unfortunately for him it, Mike Renner in particular appears to have taken the absolute hammer to his draft <laughs> stock and put him all the way down at 157 on our big board this is a guy that was going at the tail end of first rounds and a lot of mocks like right at the start of this process I think the problem here because what you just described though was Orlando Brown Jr.'s workout remember Orlando Brown Jr. had literally one of the worst workouts of all time but he's turned out to be a very good NFL player, I think the difference here, Falele's got okay production, peak grade yeah. of 82.3 at Minnesota last year. Orlando Brown had excellent production in college, so he had a much better foundation that's translated to the NFL. Anyway, let us know what do you think of all the discrepancies between the PFF big board and the consensus board. It's the PFF NFL Daily.